0: Morning, family, and welcome to another day, another week, another month on online class. uh, Well, online uh, church. Uh, We are on lockdown day 138, and uh, I feel like you know sometimes, uh, like I'm, I'm a reporter, saying when, uh, what's the day, and uh, what's happened today. Yeah, well, today in South Africa, it stands at uh, 10,210 deaths, and, um, you know, we are surrounded by so much negativity. We are surrounded by, around about by people where they say that, you know, this is not God, and uh, uh, this is the, from the devil, and this is the Antichrist. Uh, these are some of the things I heard today um, when I was actually attending the Afrikaans service today, uh, because I needed to speak to the senior pastor afterwards, and um, uh, he was telling me about these things where that people were saying that this is the spirit of the Antichrist, this is the time of the Antichrist, and this is the the, um, the virus, it's uh, uh, it's they say actual, actual fact they say some are saying it's not true and that's why they're not wearing the masks that is just a glorified flu but uh, these same people who are spreading these stories are the same ones who just got sick themselves recently and uh, they are themselves in hospital and uh, experiencing all the symptoms of the flu uh, well not the flu but the the COVID virus and um, but if we look at the stats, what's happening around us, and we see that these people who are not uh, um, taking what is happening seriously around us, are the same ones who are infecting the people around, and that's why we are experiencing such a high peak in deaths as well as infections, because of that. There is, how can I say, uh, no grace for those who purposely enforce themselves to be ignorant. The Word of God says that my people die because of lack of knowledge. But I think people die also because they don't want to Be knowledgeable of such things, they just want to be ignorant. But (laughs) this is just a side note, I'm just talking about we are digressing from the purpose of this lesson. Today we are in part four of our lesson seven. And uh, what is the lesson seven? It's behave like a Christian. And um, I feel as if we need to dwell a little bit more on this topic. Because we are surrounded by people who, com- who profess themselves to be Christians, and maybe we are guilty of that as well, and they are not behaving like a Christian. I mean, for instance, like this, where that the people are saying that this is just glorified flu, that is not real, it's not true, are not behaving like Christians, they are not behaving like Christians. They're not taking the precautions. Neither are they following the rules of of the country as well as what is what we are required to follow. And uh, this follows, this falls under the standards of what it means to be a Christian. And we're, we're going to cover that just now. But if you would like to turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. Verse 16 to 17. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 16. To 17. And the objective. Of this lesson is this. That we are going to encourage new Christians. To develop attitudes and actions. That is consistent. With God's standards that is found in his word. (coughs) So. If we look at Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 to 17 we know this very well because we've most probably have preached this we have read this we have heard it preached but do you know that you are known by your fruit that is what the scripture is saying you will know them by their fruit do men gather grapes from thorn bushes Or figs from thistles. And then Jesus says, even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. As we by ourselves, we cannot bear good fruit. Because flesh is evil, as the word says. We can try and do good deeds, but it's not by our deeds that we are saved. Now there's our deeds that gets us into heaven. But the Lord says that when the Spirit comes upon you, <clears throat> and the Word continues to say that the Word, when you read the Word and you pray and you you uh, receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit brings a change you are you become a new creation a new man and you leave the old the old will pass away and the spirit goes through your personality it goes through all the bad things that you have it starts to remove and replace it with the good and what happens is this is that we start to produce the fruit of the spirit and how do we produce the fruit of the spirit? Well, first there has to be an inside change. First, there has to be an inside clearing out of all the rubbish and the gunk of the world. And when you and of self, and what happens is this, is that as you start to read the word, you start to change, as you start to praise, you start to change, as you start to preach and start to talk, you start to change. And what happens is, is that as you start to act out your Christian life. Well, remember what I said, acting means that you're just working through a script. But what happens is is that you start to move over to where it becomes who you are. An apple cannot pretend to be an orange. A grape cannot pretend to be a fig. It is what it is. And the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. It starts to develop within you. And remember we read in Romans chapter 12 that one of the first things, the characteristics that we saw was love. And not any love, not filial, not not uh, 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 storge, not eros. It was a agape love. It is pure love. It is love of God. It is love that says, you know what? I don't care if you hate me. I don't care if you dislike me. I don't care if you did this to me or whatnot. I love you. And I love you with no reservations. I I love you with no conditions. I love you. And that's what the Lord said. You will know them. By the fruit. So there's two important questions we need to look at. Does my action. And does my attitude. Please God. Don't pretend. Don't like, um, you know, the Lord understands. No, 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 no. I'm asking you straight. Does your attitude and does your action please God? No reservations. And the second important question is this. Does your action and does your attitude lead people to God? When they see what you do, are they attracted, convinced, where they say, you know what, my brother, you know what, my sister, I've been watching you. I am amazed. When that person said that to you, you do not respond how an old person will respond. Maybe I'm confused as well. Like, why did you not respond like that? You know what? Many times our actions and our attitudes that is led by the Spirit and is under the blood of the Lord and is a behavior that is a behavior of a Christian becomes our ministry tool. Let me, let me let me flesh that out a bit. When you speak to someone and they respond in a certain attitude that requires you to respond in the same way, but you respond with love and with gentleness, with peace. And another person is watching and he says, hey, That person did not respond as he was supposed to respond. No, maybe this is once off and you'll continue watching you and when someone treats you the same way uh, badly and all that but you respond with love with peace and your actions are totally different from how it's supposed to be in a normal world they will come up to you and say my brother, my sister how is it that you have such love and such peace and such kindness when you should have taken revenge on that person. And that's where you can look at that person and say, because I am a Christian. I'm behaving like a Christian. I'm not acting like a Christian. I am behaving like a Christian, Christian because I am a Christian. Because I am following my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ who died for my sins, you see what happens? You get a chance to minister, you get a chance to evangelize, you get a chance to lead someone else to the Lord, amen. So does your action or your attitude lead people to God? And if you have said no and no to both of these, then I'm sorry, my brother and sister, you got to have to change your attitude. you got to have to change your action because why? You're not behaving like a Christian. All the things we have done so far, the lesson 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and 6, up to coming to lesson 7, you have now come to a point where you should be behaving like a Christian. We'll not be able to get past this lesson until you there's a change in your life. Remember this also about the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. How do we know how to behave like a Christian? We read the Bible. It becomes our infallible rule of faith and conduct. I was telling my students the other day, how do you know how to behave like a Christian? Do you watch your pastor and you do what he does? Do you have some form of role model in your life that you look up to? And that if he sneezes this way, then you follow suit because that's how a pastor should sneeze. Do you have that little limp they walk when as if they are... Bouncing along and you follow suit because maybe that's how a pastor should walk or maybe that's how a Christian should walk. And you see how the person talks and then you follow suit and you you copy what he says and how he says it and the, the hairstyle and all that is is that how you believe a Christian should behave because you're watching other people how they behave? The Bible says that man will always let you down. In Psalms chapter 118 verse 8, it says, Do not put your faith in man, because he will always let you down. Put, rather, put your faith in God. To behave like a Christian, we have a manual. We have a book of instructions that tells us how to behave like a Christian. Hmm? It's called the Bible. So. In our. our, uh, Notes on page one of lesson seven. We can see there are about five questions. What should a Christian do. If society. All right. Requires behavior. Contrary to biblical standards of conduct. What happens if you are a secretary or some form of worker and you're a Christian and your boss tells you tell the person who's looking for me I'm not in. Mm -hmm. What if you are a salesman? A person who's selling some product and you know that they're the product, is defective? Should a Christian always tell all he knows about a subject just because he's honest? And also, who ultimately determines a Christian's personal conduct in a given situation? These are the five questions we're going to be looking at through our lessons In the next week or so and even this week, but let's get to our introduction. A Christian is truly an upstream swimmer in a downstream world. Have you ever tried swimming in a river? For those of you who ever did? And you got this water rushing down in one direction and you decide, you know what, I'm not going down, I want to go up. Have you ever tried swimming backwards? It's impossible, or nigh on impossible, to do that. Okay? But if there's going to be any change in your society, it must begin in the lives of those who claim to be Christians, who claim to know Christ. You want to change in your community? It begins with you. You know what Jesus said? We need to be the salt. We need to be the light in this world. And right now the light is not shining all that bright in the church of today. Some churches, they are getting it. They are doing it. There there is the move of God in the church, but they are very few and far apart. What are the standards of conduct when we talk about conduct? The world should be able to identify. All right? Not you identify. You say, you know what? I'm a Christian, and you put a, a little tag on your on your chest and maybe on your hat or on your back to say, I am Christ, I am following Christ and follow me and so forth and whatnot. No, 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 no. The world should be able to identify a Christian by the way he or she behaves. Or in this word, acts. How he behaves. You behave like a Christian and they'll know that you are a Christian. Because why? a profession of faith is not enough. You can't say, you know, I'm a Christian, I follow Christ and more that and so forth. And then your actions do not align with what you're saying, therefore you are lying. There must be a consistent Christian life to back it up. Remember I said this before. Do not be a Sunday Christian. What happened to Monday to Saturday? Christianity is not a religion to be practiced on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening for church. No. Christianity means it becomes a way of life. It becomes who you are. Throughout the week. If I meet you on Monday. I expect the same person that I met on Sunday. If I see you on Friday. I still want to see the same person that I know. On Sunday. Because that's who we are. We don't pretend. We don't change. You do not take the Christian hat off. And they say, this is now my working hat on Monday. I'm not a Christian anymore because I can't be a Christian where I work. No, 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 no. Then you are pretending to be someone else. You are actually, every Monday morning, going to the cross, taking off your old man, taking your new man and crucifying your new man on the cross. In other words, putting Jesus back onto the cross and crucifying him. And then you are living in the old nature from Monday to Saturday. And then Sunday morning, taking your old man and crucifying him, which he is supposed to be crucified. And then taking Christ off the cross, the new man, putting him on just for the day. Just Just for a day's ride. That is not how we're supposed to do. There must be a consistent Christian life. There are two important considerations that is involved in any action or attitude. Does my action or attitude please God? Does my action or attitude lead people to God? If the answer to other questions is negative, the Christian who sincerely desires to please God will be willing to change. You can change. If you, if you are, both, both of these, you say, no, I'm sorry, my action or attitude does not please God. My action or attitude does not lead people to God. Do you want to change? If you do, then there has to be some changes that's going to be happening in your life. And not temporarily, this is changes that are going to be permanent. Now, our discussion is this, about four types of standards. We have four types of standards. Number one, moral standards. What does God say? Well, we do not know what God says because why? We're not reading our Bible, are we? So what do we do? We open our Bible. We start to read the Word. We start to read the Word. We take the Word, the Scriptures that we have read, we go into prayer, and we take the Scriptures, and we apply it in our prayer. Lord, help us. I, I read you in the Word, it says, Blessed is he who is poor in spirit, for they shall... Lord, I want to be poor in spirit. Help me to be poor in spirit. Lord, lead me to be poor in spirit. Lord, it says you yeah, about peacemakers. Oh, praise the Lord. I want to be a peacemaker. Oh, Lord, guide me to be peacemakers. You know what I'm reading? I'm reading the Beatitudes. And if you go somewhere else where it says that, Lord, it says you in Romans chapter 12... Around my first time, says I need to have a gap in love. Oh Lord, you know that I do not love people that easily. I pray that you change my heart. Oh Jesus, change my heart. I pray that you in. You're into me, infuse into me the fruit of the love, Lord, the fruit of the Spirit. That this love, of uh, that person that says something like that to me the other day, I was so upset and so angry, I said bad words, I said wrong words of Father God. I curse that person. Lord, forgive me for this, Lord Jesus, and I pray that you bring change so I can ask that person to forgive me because the Word of God says that if you... Uh, uh, um, if you bring your sacrifice to the altar and there's someone who has ought against you, leave your sacrifice, go make a right to come back and then give your sacrifice. Oh, praise the Lord. You see what we're doing? We're taking the scriptures, we're taking the word. We are actually fulfilling the moral standard. What does God say? Number two, legal standards. What does the law say? No way does the Bible say You need to break the law It says Pray for your leaders Uphold your leaders I mean even so At that time The law allowed there to be slavery But no way does the Bible say Disobey your master No Masters Care for your slaves. Slaves, listen to your masters. Abide by the ruling. And you know what the word of God says in the Greek for masters? Despotes. You take the word despotes into English, it becomes despot. It means cruel masters. Masters who are beating up the slaves and whipping them. But the Bible says, care for them. Look after them. Talking to the to the to the slaves says love them, care for them, listen to them, obey them. So we have the legal standard, what does the law say? Cultural standards, what does society say? What does our culture say? I'm a Zulu soul, the Zulu culture does not agree with this Christian uh, 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 thing and all that, and therefore it overrules God. No, the Bible does not say that. You know, the thing is this, is that when we come into salvation, when we come into God, all things pass away. you are not become a Zulu anymore. You've become a Christian. Cultures does not hold you back anymore. The law does not hold you back anymore. Your society does not hold you back anymore. Because why? You're a Christian. A law abiding Christian. Personal standards, what do I say? That's what happens when you read the Word of God and you do not have any much training or much understanding of the Word of God. You start to misinterpret what is there and therefore you come to the point where you desire, you know what, from what my understanding, from my bringing up, I believe that it's like this. And you make your own personal laws. But remember, while all these things have a bearing on Christians' conduct, the first and foremost consideration is as God's standard, moral standards. The Bible is our guide. Now, the question that sometimes we ask is this, does the Bible give an explicit answer for every modern issue? Well, it won't give you exactly word for word an answer to your situation. Or an issue that you are facing. No. It does not contain a specific verse to deal with every situation. But it does, however, give principles. Principles. Which are transcultural. Which means it, it it's not held by one culture or a different culture. It goes through every single culture. It's a principle. Principle. And it speaks to not this uh, generation or that generation, to every generation. Set of principles. It is essential that you need to study the Word of God and to understand its teaching in order to know how to apply its truth to life situations as they arise. Let's take Solomon for instance. He was faced with a daunting task. A son of a great and awesome king, King David. Who had gone through the deepest valleys. I mean, he was singing his psalms at every temple and every synagogue and every place in that country. David was warring every corner of his kingdom. Riding out every day to war. And sometimes just sending out these captains while he stayed behind and fiddled around with someone else's wife. Which of course Punishment was given. Yes, Solomon was a daunting task. He felt that, you know what? I am not a great king. I don't want to go to, to war and all that. But how do I avoid that? Then one night he's woken up from sleep. God comes to him and says, Solomon... I was your, I was the god of your father. I helped him to conquer. I helped him to get what you have. Your father's here with me now. You are alone. The advisors that your father left behind are so used to. War and talks of war and they advised your father in the matters of state. Solomon, my son, what do you want from me? What can I give you? I can give you riches. <laughs> I can make you as great as your father. We can conquer countries. Make your name Great. What do you want from me? I can give you anything that you desire. And I think someone was sitting there like, well, I can conquer, but I don't want to, maybe, because I saw my dad used to go conquering and all that coming home, smelling of war, blood, streets and all that. I can, I can ask for riches. I can be the richest man but then every single country will want that riches. then it means I have to go back to war. I think Solomon was sitting there he was screwing up his face he was scratching his head and he says my lord you know I thank you for what you have asking me for all this but um, I am not I'm scared to be the king because I don't know what to say or what to do. I, I'm afraid of doing the wrong things. I'm afraid I might say the wrong word and it offends that person and then it becomes a big war or something like that. I'm af- I'm afraid. I need wisdom. I need wisdom, Lord, to be able to take this. This the reins of power for my dad that my dad has left in my hands to be able to rule this country wisely, to make the right decisions, to to be able to to um uh to continue taking this this country that you've given in my hands and lifting up to higher heights. See, Solomon didn't have a Well, yeah, they have the scriptures and all that. But the thing is that he didn't have, like, the Bible. They were given that much wisdom. Except for what he could read in the past. And the Psalms and things like that. Because, I mean, the Bible was not complete. And the Lord was surprised. Wow. You know what? You've asked that no one else would ever think to ask. I'll give you wisdom. But I'm going to give you all those things I said I was going to give. That if you were to ask me, I'll give you. I'll give them to you anyway. Because you didn't ask for it. And no man before and no man after was ever heard or seen to be more wiser than Solomon. So, the Bible is our guide. You want to get wisdom? Read the Word of God. Spend time in it. Yes, we may not know, be able to pick up the Word of God where that it has a scripture that says, he has my answer for my situation. No, you might not find that. And a specific verse for that. But when you read the word of God over and over and over, you start to get this wisdom. So when you face a situation it's because of the word of God that has planted the seed in your heart that has now been watered and is now grown to be a flower and a plant. When you have to handle a situation, you handle it with wisdom because it is grounded in the word. So as we study the Bible and get to know the ways of God, the word becomes a mirror revealing our weaknesses and inadequacies. Inadequacies. We read the word of God and we say, my Lord, I just read this word and I realized that I have a form of greediness in my life. Lord, help me to get rid of this greediness. Lord, I read the Word of God and I realized that these little fibs and uh, these little bluffs and little lies that I call white lies are actually lies. And that it actually is birthed by the devil. What I mean by that is that he is the father of lies. Lord, I don't want to lie anymore. Because the word says, spirit and truth. And Lord, I don't have spirit and truth. I have spirit of lies. And the word of God says, the spirit cannot dwell in a place that is not conducive to his presence. So we need to change ourselves. We need to remove the lying spirit from our from our lives and restore it into our our spirits. The truth that every word that we speak out is truth. That's why the word of God says, "Do not swear by the earth or anything on the earth or under the earth or above the earth. Do not swear by the the heavens. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. You don't need to go into details and you." Believe me, I am telling you the truth. I swear but upon... No, the Word of God says you do not swear. So what happens as you read the Word of God, it starts to reveal to you the things you need to change in your life. Then you come to the challenge of growing into the new image that we find in the Bible, the image of God. You see, that's what happens, is that's the challenge. The challenge of change, which we do not like change, but you need to change. If we do not change, then God can't work with us. There has to be a change for growth. If something does not grow, there is no change. If we saw a child for five years that still looked the same height, we'd be very worried, actually be very worried after the first year. If there is no growth in the stature, in the physical element, in the, in the spiritual element, in the emotional element, in the uh, mind, in the, in the education, if there is no growth, if there is no change, then there is only death. And the word of God challenges us that we need to grow into the new image that we find in the Bible. What is the image? The image of God. In Romans chapter 7, we read about where that Paul was reading, uh, was telling the, uh, the Jews about being freed from the law. He says, guys, there's, been, there's some changes I'm bringing here. You know what? We talk about the law, the law, the law. But do you know that the law, if, we, if it's just the law, it kills us. Okay? And we need to work much more uh, Besides the law We need to look at grace But there is this inner struggle That takes place when we seek to break the old patterns Because why? That's what is the law And Paul was saying "I, You guys, you know the law You've been taught up, uh, about the law since birth You've been brought up in law but now I'm coming with a new thing. I am bringing something new. Christ. Jesus. That is when he died upon the cross. He died to save your sins. To save you from your sins. To cleanse you from your sins. His blood was shed for you. It was by grace that we were saved. And therefore, we need to move from this old pattern of the law, and we need to come to the new one of of grace. There's a struggle. But as we choose to obey the higher calling we have received in Christ, and yield to the impulse to do right, we grow stronger. Praise the Lord. James says it this way. If you know what is right and you don't do it, it's a sin. Amen. If you know what is right, if you know, well, the law says I must do this and this and, this, and I don't do it. You have just sinned, my brother. You have just sinned, my sister. You drive on the, the left side, the right side of the road, on the wrong side of the road, and you know that it's wrong to do it, but you don't care. You, don't, you know, if no one knows, it will not hurt them. Isn't that a saying that you know very well? What no one knows will not hurt them. Well, the Bible says. You are sinning, my brother, you're sinning my sister. What is done in the secret, what is done in the darkness, will be brought to the light. It becomes easier to do the right thing and to resist the wrong. Let's read Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 17. Therefore, Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, now the passion they're talking about is not good passion, it's evil passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Doesn't it sound like what's happening around us? That because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons and the daughters of disobedience. Now everyone says this this virus is not from God. Who says that? Then you're, you're trying to say that the ten plagues was not from God either. Then when God brought the plagues upon Egypt, that it was the devil... That God had no control over it? See, when we think, we we think, oh, you know what, this Old Testament uh, or even New Testament, it, it doesn't affect us. No, it does. The Lord will always allow a nation to go through judgment because of their sin. Israel is a good example of that, in and out of exile half the time, because they did not listen to God. And yet God is saying here in in, uh, Colossians, where Paul is writing here, because of these things, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, and all that, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon them. Verse 8. But now you, yourselves, are to put off these things. And listen very carefully. This is what you need to put off. Anger. How many of you are very angry? How many of you are like, You don't know me, eh? When I get angry? Oh, you better watch it. The Bible says, put it off. Wrath, which is uncontrolled anger. Malice. Blasphemy. Oh, this one, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, put off this one filthy language out of your mouth. You want to behave like a Christian? Take your letters of alphabet and remove them from your vocabulary. Filthy language, remove them. You want to be a Christian? That is one of the first things to go. Do not lie to one another. (laughs) How many Christians have I've met who still lie? And you know what? They lie straight to your face. They will tell you something that's oh pastor, you know, Uh, When you ask, where were you? I did not see you in church the other day. Oh, Pastor, I was so sick. I was sick like a dog. And you're like, okay, can I show you something on Facebook? Yes, you, on this day that you're supposed to be sick like a dog, swimming, eating, partying, having a great amount of time, uh, whether you're at the beach or whether you're at this place and that place, what happens? You... Have lied. And the thing is is that what surprises me is that they never show embarrassment. No, pastor, I, I, I was sick after that. Or I was sick before that, but I got well after that. I don't know. The, the excuse is the word of God says, do not lie to one another. Why? Since you have put off the old man with his deeds. What deeds is the old man? The old man was... Angry. The old man had wrath. The old man backstabbed. The old man uh, swore at people. The old man gossiped and slandered and had malice. The uh, the old man um, had revenge and uh, he blasphemed. And he, he had filthy language. And he also lied all the time. The word of God says, put him off. When you've put him off, put on the new man. Who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of who? Him. Who's him? God. Who created him? Who's him? You. God created you. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew. You know what? If you're a Zulu, Sutu, Twine, whatnot, of black and white and green and orange, the word of God says there is none of that. Behave like a Christian? Well, you don't have color, my brother. You don't have color, my sister. You're a Christian. We are the same, whether you are South African, whether you are uh, Zimbabwean, whether you are uh, uh, Zambian, it doesn't matter because the Word of God says when you're a Christian, all culture, all lines, all divisions, all color disappears. You are not a Greek nor Jew, neither you're circumcised or uh, uncircumcised; whether you're a barbarian or a Scythian, whether you're a slave nor free, which means whether you're the poorest, poorest, the poorest of the person, or the richest man in the world. The word of God says, Christ is all and in all. There is no differences. There is no separation. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, what do you do? Put on tender mercies. What do you do? You have kindness. What do you do? You have humility. You have meekness. You have long-suffering. And what do you do? Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, oh, wow, so you also must do. <clears throat> You go before God and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that da, 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 da forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. No word of God says that Jesus says, if you as a as a PS to that prayer, as a PS to that teaching says, if you do not forgive anyone, the Lord will not forgive you. So you just wasted your time praying. Why did you pray? Because the word of God says he's not listening to you. Because why? You have unforgiveness in your heart. And the word of God also says in Paul, where he says that, if you do not have love, you are sounding like a, a clanging symbol. Uh, and when you have a clanging symbol, everyone closes their ears. And I think God does that too. But above all these things, and again Paul says, put in love. Which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which also you're called in what body? One body. Not many bodies. Ish, you know what? I'm, lungu, I'm in one body. You know what? You're Zulu, you're in another body. Hey, you're Indian, you're in another body. No, the word of God says we are one body. Which means we are together. You think you're going to get to heaven and these are going to be separations? Come my people. We're going to our mansions. We've got the whites of here. We've got the blacks No, my brother and sister. We are together. There is no racism. So why are you doing it here on earth? The church is one church. The church is one body. We are together. There is no division. You want to be a Christian? Behave like one. Behave like one. There is no political separation. There is no... Uh, Christian separation, there is no uh, um, uh, color separation, there is no ethnic separation, there is no community separation, we are one body. And the word of God says, and be thankful. (laughs) I uh, I like how it ended there. To which you also be called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word, whatever you do in deed, what do you do? You do all in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. Nothing betrays who we are quicker than our speech. Do I hear amen? Nothing reveals to the world quicker as to who the Christian is, but by how he speaks. A Christian will not, sorry, a Christian will be recognized not only for what he or she says, but also for what is not said. A Christian's true spirit will be reflected on what he says about God. How is your doctrine? Is it sound? What do you believe in? Your attitude you praise the Lord how you worship the Lord and by your testimony because the revelation says it's, it's by the testimony they'll be saved a Christian's true spirit will be reflected in what he says about others do you have a good report do you show kindness do you have a honest appreciation or are we fighting to see who's number one And we don't care who we step on to get to that position. That's wrong. A Christian will be recognized. His true spirit will be reflected on what he says about himself. Is he boastful? Is he demanding? Is he self-centered? Is it all about himself? You know... How should a Christian think? The human mind is like a computer. Alright? I don't know how many times people have said, my computer did this and this and this and this. And I said, well, what did you do? No, it wasn't me. It was my computer. I said, no, what did you do? You're the user. The computer can only do what the user tells them to do. And many times, my students will come and say, no, my computer did this and that and so forth and that's how I got this and that wrong and things like that. I said, no, it's not the computer, it's you. Your computer did not type out your assignment. You did. And if you forgot to put a word in a sentence, it was your fault. You did not put it in, no, my computer delete. No, my, your computer did not delete it. You did. And many times I'll prove it by... Standing with them and now it's lucky like, okay, now show me and they'll show me And the computer did not do anything it was then A computer will only respond to what instructions it receives The same with our human mind all right garbage in garbage out If you feed feed it faulty data if you feed it rubbish if feed it with porn, if you feed it with, with, uh, uh, with movies, with a lot of swearing in it, and with a lot of sex scenes and all that, guess what, my brother and sister? That's the garbage going to be coming out of your mouth. That's the garbage that will be coming out of your hands. That's one of the things you are got to be doing and acting garbage in, garbage out. All right? What we feed our minds is reflected in our words. It is reflected in what we do, our deeds, and also our attitudes. That's why it is important to read the Bible regularly, attend your church faithfully, or even receive this uh, um, this uh, uh, audio clip regularly, so that you can listen to the Word, so it can feed your soul and your spirit, so that you get to understand the Word a bit more. And what happens? You t- you will grow and grow and grow and meditate on the spiritual things continually. So our conclusion today is this: to remember. Then all our conduct, learning about behavior and how to be a Christian, is is that the Holy Spirit has come to help us. He's come to assist us. He has come to to develop in us, to lead us, to, to teach us in all aspects, in all areas of our spiritual growth. Let that be a lesson. Let that not, not be forgotten. That when we need to behave like a Christian, we need to read the Word of God. We need to fill our spirits, our hearts, our souls, our minds with the Word of God. So we can grow. So when a situation we are faced that requires that sometimes automatically requires a humanistic response, you will respond as Jesus did. You respond like a Christian. Brothers and sisters. It is by the words we speak. It is by the things we do. That the world watches and takes account of. Reflects upon. Meditates upon. Is in awe of. Because why we are. A unique generation. We are set apart. And we the world sees this. They will want what you have. They will ask you, how can I get this? This is not something that can be bought. This is not something that can be sold. Just like Simon the sorcerer thought it could be done. Living in a world of where things you wanted could only be purchased. But the apostle said them right and said, no. This cannot be purchased. This is freely given. And you have that opportunity to lead people to Christ. You have that opportunity to to say, well, if you want what I have, it's because I am a Christian and I'm not acting like one. I'm not pretending to be one. I truly am. Because I have the behavior of a Christian. I have the fruit of the Spirit. I have done away with the old man with all his deeds. And I have taken upon the new man with love as the bond of perfection. And this ends our lesson for today. And uh, next week we will be going on to... What should my attitude be toward my job and my employer? And looking at this, I can see quite a bit of our scriptures that's here. And considering that we're going to be going through this, and we're going to go through all the scriptures as well, that it's going to take us maybe a two weeks minimum, And maybe another week, third week maybe, I don't know. But as we work through it, as we speak about the scriptures and as we go through the the stuff, we will see how far we can go with this. But let's close today in our uh, um, sermon or uh, our lesson. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can dwell in your presence Heavenly Father, I pray that as we have read through this lesson, understood the various different conducts of, or the standards of conduct, that we know that the moral conduct is first and foremost. I pray that you help us to put aside the old man and his deeds, To put aside our own personal gains and our what we are pursuing in this world and our society and our country. And you help us to not act but to behave like a Christian, which means that we have to have a full Internal change. That we put aside, put away, actually get rid of, filthy language from our lives. Blasphemy, your father. Slander, malice When people do things, bad things to us, that we will not be Seeking revenge, because the word of God says, vengeance is mine. Please help us. That the fruit of the Spirit will grow in our lives. That we all have kindness, love. The agape love, Lord Jesus. That the fullness of Spirit will produce in us. Long-suffering. As well as a temperament that is of you. I pray also for the people who who are listening to this audio. That you will bless them, O Father, mightily. That you open the doors of heaven upon them, Lord. I pray for healing for their bodies that they are sick. I pray for healing upon those who they know who are sick of oh, father. The word of God says that if my people just turn from the wicked ways. And that they come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness and that they change their ways and they change their lives that you will heal their land and that you'll heal them. I pray, Father, for your healing power to be upon your people. I pray for your protection to be upon your people as well, Lord. And I thank you in all this, O oh Father. Now I ask this in your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. <music>